Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get this episode underway, I would like to say a big thank you on behalf of myself and Guy Montgomery. It's Tim Bat speaking here from the worst idea of all time. I would like to say thank you to Karma Cola. Uh, just the best company. Just the best company. They make cola, but they do it the right way, folks. They go into Sierra Leone. They make fair trade agreements with the cola farmers, right? These are the folks out in the coal face. They are corralling the cola nuts. Cola nuts, notoriously aggressive. They've got cola dogs on them, corralling them together, and then they've got to milk the cola. They do it very tastefully, very ethically, very gently for the cola, so the cola's not upset. They're just they're treating everyone with the greatest of respect. Not only that, but after the having all the fair trade agreements, they've got this foundation which has raised over fifty grand so far, which goes to support eight villages in Sierra Leone. They build bridges. They've they've put up a rice processing plant. They've sent fifty girls to school, which is a fucking big deal in West Africa, folks. Get them behind Kamakola. It's a delicious drink. It uses real sugar. There's no artificial bullshit in it. It's just good stuff. And if you're in the States, you can't buy it there yet. So find a way to import it, smuggle it in, or lobby them online. They're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. Go thank them for their service to the world community. Tell them your old mates Timbo and Guy Guy sent you. And without further ado, here's the bloody episode. Thanks to Karma. It's the worst idea of all time. Worst idea of all time. It's the worst idea of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the worst idea of all time, episode number 40. We like to do something special on episode 40, apparently, because last time that's when we did the director's commentary for Grown Ups 2. That's right, and uh, don't get too excited because. For God's sake, we're not about to do a director's commentary right now. Instead, we've shipped in a friend all the way from America. I really don't like your introducing our guest with "Don't get too excited." Hey, it sound <laughs> no, no, no. That's how you do it. You got to you you <laughs> you, you got to temper the expectations, and then suddenly, for blammy, you got a special guest coming through the door. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome a special guest to the worst idea of all time family. Um, probably the reason. Why you know that we exist at all? It all comes back to this patient man. X. He's been described <laughs> as before. The guy who started it all. It's Paul Sheriff. We'll clap. We're clapping on our end. Are you getting those claps, Paul? Thank you. I heard the claps, and I appreciate a low, like a, a low pressure intro. So I, I feel like setting the expectations low is good for me. Excellent. Um, and man, oh man, forty weeks of this fucking movie. <laughs> you better believe it, Paul. I, I saw it twice in the theater. What? <laughs> yes. I now, I need to unpack this in a couple of different ways. So my wife is, uh, who's on the podcast, How Did This Get Made? She is a huge Sex in the City fan. And I don't know um, if, is Sex in the City as big there as it is here? I mean, here it's huge. Well, it's all dead now, right? Like, it's still dead yeah. in America now. I mean, it was still, big here. Yeah, it was. Nothing in New Zealand is big in the same way something's big in America, but it was pretty, like, unanimously um, popular. Okay, so here in, you know, I was in New York when Sex and the City was going on. I think my wife believes she is, you know, like, every, like I am one of these people. Like, I think there, especially when you lived in New York at the time of the show, it was like, I am them, they are me. And, uh, and so after many years of me taking my wife to you know indiana jones or star wars whatever <laughs> she's like now you're gonna come to with me to my my jam you're gonna see my movie and and i took that and i was like fine i'll go see it so i saw the first movie and i'm gonna say right off the bat i like the first movie i'm not a, i'm not look for what this is 
And it, I'm not going to be above it. I, I watched the first movie, I, I believe, also twice in the theater. That's fun. And it was kind of... Yeah, and I and I could I could see my wife enjoying it. It was really fun. It was like bringing, it was like I don't know. It was like I guess the same feeling that I that you would get if you brought a child to see Star Wars. Yeah, is is June yeah. like a re- does she have the box sets? Like is she a real diehard Sex in the City person? Or was I've back seen in the day? her bin. She doesn't have the DVDs, but I've seen her. Bin, like June doesn't have many possessions. She doesn't like to collect things. <laughs> she's uh, a, she's so, a like, transient, she all right? Yeah, <laughs> she likes a, to say lightly. She, <laughs> She has a uh, a wooden bin. She has a bindle and a stick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, whatever she can't keep in there gets thrown away. Um, she's always cooking beans on trains. Um, We've heard this about Jane. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it was, but she. I've watched her binge it. I've watched her like sit in front of the TV and watch episode after episode. It it was in our house uh, enough that I know. And and she's a fan. She's a big fan. And her excitement for the premiere was pretty amazing the first one and we're gonna get to the second piece of crap but uh the, the first one but it was so fun because she was like getting large groups of people together and in the states when it came out it was on par with like i believe it came out roughly around the time of indiana jones and the crystal skull the really? first one or something like you know so it had that same energy but it was all these like women and going to the movies and it was just fun and, and yeah. she said to me after the she saw the first movie she was like I get it now. I get what you go through when you see your movies. I get it, and I love it. That's so nice so, that you guys finally had a, a point of understanding. Because Paul, yes. Paul F. Tompkins said the same thing, that his wife was like kind of a lifelong fan of the series and really nerded out about when the movies came out. Well, and that was it. And so it was like it was really fun, and I felt like not proud or excited, but it was like, oh, this is kind of a cool thing because I feel like you know that fanaticism to go see – you know a trill you know some sort of like you know whether it's lord of the rings or the matrix or whatever it it seems oftentimes more geared to the males like you know and so it was really fun to see her really get involved and then all that set up to say to watch her experience this (laughs) was amazing because she went through the same thing that i went through when i saw phantom menace which was (laughs) Yeah, it's good. I think it's good. I think it's good. And it takes you a while before you could admit that it's total and complete garbage. It's a garbage I've movie. I've never heard it compared to Phantom Menace before, but that seems like the perfect analogy for this film. Uh, well, because it... Yeah, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, Paul, while the, this is all well and good, it doesn't really speak to why or why you would then, after sitting through this experience with the lovely June and her bindle, uh, yeah. insist upon revisiting the movie in the majesty of the cinema. Yeah. Well, the because second. of the same idea of The Phantom Menace, you can't... Well, at least my my in, my interaction with The Phantom Menace was when I saw it, I saw it and I, and I, didn't, I didn't know it was bad. I was too psyched. And I was like, I need to see it again because... I, I almost felt like I was too excited to enjoy it. Little did I know I couldn't enjoy it because it wasn't a good film. Like you know, and I felt the same way with Crystal Skull too. But I just you know like like it should be good, right? And so I think I went back again with June as a like she was like it is good. It's really interesting. And so I went and saw it with her, and then I went to see it again with. Casey, her writing partner, who's from Happy Endings and stuff like that, and her husband, and so we went as like a double date. It was the second one that we saw, and I, I think midway into the second viewing of it, she quickly was able to be like, "Oh, it, it is bad. I wasn't wrong because I was very harsh on it. She was confused by it the first time. The one, second time, we both left on the same page." One of my favorite things about how did this get made? Your podcast, Paul, is is yeah. June's insights because she's like she's wired differently from the rest of us, and she just. Oh comes yes. in there with a very different perspective so after the second viewing was she even even she was convinced that it was uh n- not a great film yeah and and you know now i'm i'm giving you my impression of her i'm sure if you had her on this podcast she would have a lot of saving graces but in the in in, in previous years or as the years have gone by we have talked about this on the you know briefly, and I, I've seen her admit that this is not a good movie, okay. and being disappointed by it, like watching her get disappointed by 
her friends. I was like, now you know how I felt when I saw Crystal Skull. Like, <laughs> you, they betrayed me. <laughs> Everyone that I loved betrayed me here, you know. And, and I, I think that was a, an interesting thing. I mean, and, and knowing that I had to watch this movie with you guys, I will first say, I was like, I kept on putting it off. And then I said, well, I'm going to create a viewing plan which will allow me to watch 10 minutes of it a day for like 10 days. And and I was like, that will create something in me where it's like, it's not insurmountable. And long story short, I didn't do the 10 minutes. And this morning I woke up early, I came into work and I put it, put it on and I've been furious. I've been furious ever since it started. I just finished it. And I'm still I'm angry. This movie made me like, from minute one. It makes me angry. <laughs> but you or, and, and you title should be over. pretty like I mean attuned to this sensation as well because you watch rubbish movies constantly. And you've already there's, seen this one twice. I know, but you know, there's something about this that is, uh, I, I, and, and I wanted it. And this is what I really want to talk to you guys about because after 40 times of watching it, you must know like. There's something different about the makeup of this movie that's it's infuriating. It makes me I don't know why it makes me angry. I just I I don't know if it's like maybe it's I don't like the comedy. I don't like the I don't like what they're doing. I think what they do a majority of the time is offensive. Um, and that's something that I'm never offended by. I'm like, I think this is your point of view is just being offensive to this. Like I it, 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 it's it's so I mean, look. You can only like a movie that essentially has like a Marx Brothers esque peek out in burkas. Yeah, like uh, that is. Yeah, not I think it's played for like. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Sorry, you're saying that it's not played for. It's not played for. It's not played for the right laugh. It's like no, no. They're actually just doing it. Like I don't think they're commenting <laughs> on it. Like yeah, like yeah. that whole final chase sequence or whatever that is. Like, what the fuck I am I watching? W- what makes it so aggravating is it's the it's sort of the juxtaposition between such a garish, garish, sorry, high-end style, like, you know, everything within the world yes. of the film is so glamorous, and then how little attention or, like, care has been put into the actual content of the film. It just, it slaps you on the face over and over. It's like, it, by all accounts, it should be a functioning movie, but it's just... It's not. It's not even well, that, close. And that's the and and you know what it is like. I find a real joy in. I I, I call them a four quadrant movie. It's not my term, but the idea that like it's a movie that can appeal to your grandparents, your parents, your kids, the boys, the girls. Like it just kind of it, it it fills all the quotas, all ages, all sexes. And um, that's a Green Lantern is a, a perfect example of a four. Like, like, we're going to make a movie like with Ryan Reynolds is going to appeal to everybody. And they when they try to appeal to everybody, they alienate. They just it becomes a whole mishmash. Right. This is not trying to appeal to everybody at all. And that's <laughs> what makes it even worse because it's like, oh, they had carte blanche. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And they have done it successfully for years on a TV show. They made the, fir- the first movie. And then this one, it's almost like um, like you went like you had too much sugar or something. It, it, it's like th- like it's like, or like they all got hit in the head with hammers. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's like there's the shell of the movie is there, but the inside is empty. Like it a is. Hollow, a chocolate bunny or something. There's, yeah. there's nothing on the inside. It, it, just, it keeps coming back to this thing. And that's what makes the length of this film, which I think I may yes. have mentioned every episode it's of our long. podcast. It's too long. But that's what it's makes it. It's two hours and 26 minutes, right? Of hollowness. Like, there's, there's nothing to kind of latch on into in, in that And that's two what and I think makes hours. me angry about it. It, like, it like, like, I don't mind a bad movie. I don't mind a movie that's trying. Like, even on our podcast, very rarely do we have a movie that elicits a genuine anger in me. The only <laughs> other movie that, that elicited that kind of anger was um, Last Airbender. Because it was like another movie that should have been good based on cool source material that was just like what it's nothing. It's hollow. It's empty. It's soulless. And I think that's the other thing. It's like I don't think that these people like their characters. I think that these characters are they're all they hate them. Yeah. They hate them. 
Well, it's like watching a hate fuck. Yeah, and like this iteration <laughs> of the characters. I'm not super familiar with the show, but yeah. there is nothing redeeming in any of them. They are all just baddies. No. Like and and they're like so so superficial. It's like it's like yeah, oh, it's terrible. Uh, we're really coming in heavy on the on the hate parade early, and that's fair. I mean, we've seen it forty yeah. times. You've seen it three. Between us, yes. we've probably cumulatively seen it forty three times more than necessary. Let's uh, <laughs> to cap off the first quarter hour. Let, let's try and shine a little sun ray into this uh, dark a storming okay. cloud. A shining light. Uh, you can lead, Tim. What we like to do, Paul, is just pick a, a part of the film that we actually genuinely enjoyed this week. Because otherwise, okay. it's just us shitting on a movie 52 uh, times, right? And no one wants yes. that. It's pointless. No. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a moment. I want to hear your guys' moments as well. Okay. Mine briefly is... Uh, I can't even... Re- I've written it down as a note. I can't even remember it. What bit Smash is that? Smash right. May or may not. Oh, that's right. It's when they're in the karaoke scene. We've really had to dig into the minutia of the film now, Paul, to, uh, yeah. to elicit these after week 40. They're in the karaoke scene... They're about to do the big number. Miranda is learning from one of the waiters uh, how to say how to order a drink, and right. uh, he says something akin to "smash right," which I can only imagine I'm mispronouncing a, an Arabic way of saying "listen to what I'm saying." Right, because he keeps repeating how to how to say this. this and eventually, Miranda, who's been playing the role of enthusiastic learner the whole trip, just is like, "I don't give a fuck how you say it. Just bring me the goddamn drink." <laughs> well, she does it. She says, "Yeah, that's fine." Right. She dismisses him. No, but you, you can see in her mind there's that switch that's flicked, which is it's, like, just look. It's the uh, same bit as when Big's trying to nail uh, Penelope Cruz's name, and then just every, everyone gives up real quick. Carry and on, carry on, very yeah. well. Well, it, it, you know, it's also the 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 point of the like the, this movie, and I, I'm going to get to the the thing that I like, but I'm also going to talk about a theory that I have too. Um, this this movie was like, oh, let's get all these cameos in here. Because they want to be in the movie, and they just kind of shoehorn them in without real any like, yeah. not even trying. And I was gonna bring up a, a well, you know, maybe I'll hold this thought, and t- we'll finish this section. And I'll, I'll bring my thought to you. <laughs> no, just you it's free for man. Just, it's jazz, baby. Come right. on, baby. We're riffing right, well, over here. Here's my thought. Do you think that by being on this set and interacting with this director and this writer and these actresses, that this was the beginning of the end for Miley Cyrus? Do you think that this was the beginning of eroding her nice image and then started putting her on a downfall of being this insane, uh, aggressive performer? Wow. Well, let me um, sidestep your question for just a moment while I try and track yeah. it in my mind. Because as you know, Paul, we watch Grown Ups 2 for 52 weeks initially. Yes, I do. Really, yes, we listen to many of them. Really gravitated towards... Um, Patrick Schwarzenegger's character, he was kind of yes. like an extra that had one or two grunts as scripted lines in the film. And, yes. of course, he was romantically entangled with uh, Miley for a bit in the early days. Yes. I think just before she sort of had a public fall from grace, some would say, oh. evolution. Yeah. And, um, boy, were we delighted, shocked and amazed to see Miley just yeah. appear on the screen you in front of us. Actually probably yeah. chart um, Miley and Patrick's relationship in accordance with the start of this podcast. Because I know when we started they were together and then the breakup happened while we had to look at Miley Cyrus on a weekly basis. I think, I, don't, I it is kind of, you could look at it as like a stepping stone or a landmark moment at which the turning of the screw started to occur. But to accredit it all to Sex and the City 2, I mean, I feel like these are... Uh, nope, fuck you, guy. Billionaire I'm, I'm teen with, celebrities. There's always going to be a turning point. I'm <laughs> team Paul. This is Metric uh, Pikel King's fault. Mattress Pikel King. Yes. Well, because here's my theory, guys. Sex and the City 2 was released in 2010. The, the sticking out the tongue is kind of the beginning of the end for Miley Cyrus. Three years later, like she met these girls. She started to see how the other side lives. She gets a little bit out of her country you know kind of roots yeah you know she's still miley here she's not the one that's smoking weed all the time this she saw the other side she got i mean she essentially got brought to her own abu dhabi by being on this set (laughs) her eyes were open to something that she did not know before and then and i think it was slow and and then (laughs) and then three years later she has you know, like chrysalis or something. She has uh, turned into a butterfly that smokes weed. It's so meta. She wakes up it. in cold sweats remembering her experience on set. 
<laughs> so Paul, take us back to your shining light. What was your okay. your actual enjoyable bit of the film? I'm gonna say, and and you probably have already talked about this, uh, but my shining light was the um, oh I'm forgetting her name right now, but the uh, Liza Minnelli uh, the, uh, single ladies dance that. Uh, was my, I believe, my first ever shining light. I'll tell you what, Paul, if you stick yeah. around week after week, you will learn to resent every goddamn part of that performance. <laughs> well, hey, I wanted to ask your question about this as well. Do you believe... Okay, because when they first show um, her coming on stage to officiate the wedding, she's hobbling as if she can't even move. And then she's doing <laughs> a pretty intense dance. Was there facial replacement in that scene? It's entirely possible. We had a New Zealand film critic on one week, and he said there's a lot of CGI nonsense going on with their faces, digital facelifts. Yeah. So yeah. why why wouldn't that extend to um, recreating Liza Minnelli's face on top of a stunt double? Yeah, I because, you know yeah. uh, you can almost explain it away by saying you know Liza's hamming up that hobbled Balkan for uh, for effect. She's it's, making oh, okay. a similar decision to Gene Wilder and yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to shock Ooh. everyone. I'm a big. I like that. I'm a big I fan like of uh, defending sort of def- like. I like to imagine that things like this are chosen uh, performances by the character. So Liza knowingly <laughs> came in hobbling. It's not that she's actually old and hobbled. It's that right. She wanted her character like of herself, Liza Minnelli, to sort of portray this so that when she does eventually perform the single ladies dance, that pullback and reveal is greater. Wow. Okay. So that's interesting. I mean, that's giving a lot more thought than I feel like this movie has had. But if that's the case, I would think that it would be more like Willy Wonka, where you see the hobble and then you break into the dance because yeah. it's so separate. I feel like I don't know. I don't. She, I mean, it's a li- she is puffing by the yeah. end. Like she is positively on her last legs. Liza's old. Oh, yeah. Liza's old school is the thing. Liza, you know, she came up in that same school with Gene, so they've got similar acting techniques. Uh, Michael Patrick King, who you know, who wrote and directed the whole thing, uh, it'd be fair to say he he chopped it all up. There's probably that transition scene somewhere on the cutting room floor of Liza doing that roly poly into single ladies. Yeah, uh, but I, I mean, you know, obviously, as you say, if if you don't see it, how do you know? So I think you know your suspicion's accurate. But if you stick around for 39 more weeks, Paul, uh, you, you'll you'll probably get to the bottom of it, much like we have. <laughs> But yeah, oh I, I loved that dance, and I think it is like it's designed to be watched once because it is spectacular. It grabs you by the you know short and curly. Yes, and it, it's fun. It's playful. It's it's like hey, now we're going to do a big number in the film. It's like oh cool, what a cool way to sort of inject yeah. some energy right at the start but, of the film. But and, then and, as you, and the it's also coming on the heels. Uh, I would I would say it's coming on the heels of an arguably uh, really upsetting sequence, which was like that gay wedding was upsetting to me because I do feel like. Was it? Uh, like I don't know what. Again, that's like one of those things where I'm like, is this offensive to gay? Like, it, it's almost, almost like, definitely. Yeah, right. It has to be. Yeah, right? I definitely think so. And there's a lot of kind of red flags. I think the main one is just the sheer amount of times they have to point out how liberal they are as a film by explicitly mentioning the gay wedding, just over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it's kind of like if you keep trying to justify why you're not racist, you're definitely a racist person. It's the same kind of mentality. <laughs> well, it's almost like, it, you know, I guess it's even if you go like, well, we're, you know, we're gay, so we can say all this stuff about gay people. But it's like, yeah, but now I'm feeling uncomfortable. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's like, yeah, it just, uh, it just, there's something about it. Uh, yeah, just something about it. No, and it's, know, it, it's we, we talked about this recently as well, when they try and within the realm of the film, explain it away when they're like, uh, shouldn't we be a little, you know, they say at the wedding, shouldn't we be a little more PC? And then Anthony rolls in and says, can you believe this place? It looks like the Snow Queen exploded. And then all of the characters, as if that's their hall pass for being vaguely homophobic, is like, well, how's that for PC? And it's like, fine. It's a really inoffensive, innocuous comment. But what yeah, you were Snow saying. the Snow Queen's not here. She's not being yeah. offended by that. She's not a real sector like, of the, the community the, we have to worry about that's been trampled on and her rights have been disregarded <laughs> for centuries. <laughs> she's fine she's not real they're covering their tracks but absolutely fudging it is it they're covering their tracks in fudge Paul it's uh, it, 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 <laughs> it is uh, it, that I think that that was the first moment of genuine anger <laughs> that that elicited that wedding and and also the fact that 
by the way, this movie, we haven't talked, I mean, you guys have talked about it at, at length, I know, but it's an hour, it's an hour before I feel like the movie even gets started. You're you guys feel completely like right. It's an hour before they get on the plane. Only just, but it's like an hour and one minute is when they're on the plane. We were, uh, or I was specifically yelling at Carrie uh, to get get in the car and get to the goddamn airport yesterday at every turn possible because got, they could not dilly dally more. It is an outrage. It, it's like, and it's like, you know, it's all these like beauty shots, all these beauty, like. Like I mean, they take you. Uh, I don't know. Everything is like <laughs> you, they, you know, like us, like really worked uh, up for grizzled veteran. <laughs> because it's like it, it. They're like, who is it? Like, you know, who I feel bad for the editor. Oh, yeah. And they're like, and, and and you know that they were like, can we just cut down the apartment? Like, okay, yes, yeah, she opens the closet, great. But like, then we got to show her other apartment. Like, <laughs> like it's, a, and then let's go see the hotel in Abu Dhabi. Oh, and that's God. that's oh, just God. the macro stuff. If you get down to the micro, the example I've used before is like when she's pouring the whiskey for Big, you have to yeah. see every step of the process because they've got no faith in the viewer's ability to connect the dots between her walking over the, to the decanter and yeah. just coming back with whiskey. Like you see her walking over to it, touching the bottle, opening the top of it, pouring it it's into like- a glass, walking back over, giving it to him. It's like we're it, It's like we are... Uh, essentially watching the birth of cinema where you only could show one image because the audience wasn't capable of connecting dots. And then, like, where are those those characters die if they leave the screen? No, they're, just, they're still alive. You know, we don't oh. have object permanence anymore in the yeah, realm of cinema. Is, <laughs> Jesus there, Christ. There, there is, you know, and to me, like, watching it again, too, is like, it's... Uh, it's tricky because I am definitely one to rail on entourage and, you know, find faults in entourage. And this is less like entourage, I would argue, is this. It's super dumb and the plots are lame and they never have there's no learning and there's never any arc and et cetera, et cetera. But there and again, going back to this idea, there is some joy to it. It seems like they're having fun or it seems like. They're, the people who are writing it are having fun here. It just it, it just seems like labored. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what happened to them. What happened in uh, what happened lo- between number one and number two that ca- created this anger? Well, I mean, we've heard some varying theories, and I think you're right. That uh, cynicism really permeates the whole film, and it just smells like the whole thing is money. There's no love. It doesn't in this. like it doesn't. Yeah, watching them act. It doesn't yeah. look like they're having fun on set. And we had heard that as well. We'd heard that the women had kind of fallen out with each other because um, a, a sort of riff had opened up. I think it was uh, about uh, SJP about, as, got a lot of money. as an EP and then also the amount of uh, screen time. But this is all, I mean, you know, hearsay. We don't know but this she for always sure. Had, she always had more screen time. She's the lead of the show. Yeah. Well, I, I know, and it's like it's, then yeah. maybe there's a feeling that they were doing her a favor. Like, we're all going to trot out this dead horse you know we're gonna tie it around the yard one last time so we can all cash a check and I maybe it was a bridge too far and they were like we are gonna do this but by god we're gonna do it begrudgingly <laughs> you gotta drag us in it's like you know uh yeah no one no there's something the one thing that no one wants to watch is people like like <laughs> like the conceit like if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. But the worst thing to watch is people being forced to entertain. It's like watching like a sad elephant at a circus. You're just, you are, you're like, he doesn't want to be there. Or that's the way I feel about those dumb dogs. Like we go, oh yeah, this is like, who's that dumb dog who like every time they have all these pictures of them, I don't know. He's like, they they, tra- they travel them around the world. It's like that dog doesn't want to be in that outfit. And he doesn't know why he's cute. He's got a weird overbite. And you're just cashing Put him in down. on the fact that you own this thing. Thing, who, if he could articulate anything, would, would want to kill himself. <laughs> On that, like, I wish the movie. Night. If the movie ended with all of them taking out shotguns and blowing off their heads, <laughs> I would at least feel like it ended in a way that was honest to the film. <laughs> God. Just like, and it was, re- and and it, with all the detail that they took getting the whiskey glass, they go into the closet. They oh, they Remember, undo yeah, the safe. Take they take out, the out a gun. But then it's being lent to grit. Like that would actually make more sense from a film language point of view because you're adding gravity <laughs> to a moment that needs it. But she's just trying to. Get- yeah, anyway, they're guys, bound to stumble into it. I'd also just quickly light. before I say my shining light. 
Oh yeah, you know, sorry, I'm no, sorry. No, no, that's sorry. fine. But uh, like, you know how there's the, the, uh, so many visual cues to tell the story. Like, there's just no faith put in the audience. Yeah. And then the, the I know it's a trope from the television program, but then they go even further when it's like, oh, I don't know that. Like, we didn't get ten minutes of visual coverage. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Average of this scene change, we'd better get Carrie to just exact, like, to add no exposition and just describe exactly what's happening in the voiceover. <laughs> yeah, it's it, It's, it's like listening to someone read like a Tiffany's catalog <laughs> <Yep>. or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the brief. From what I understand, um, MKP in his basement when he was banging out the script for this goddamn carcass was saying, it reads like a Tiffany's ca- catalog, and I need you all to honor that. Uh, now, I have a question. Oh, wait, sorry. I keep on forgetting to listen to your No, uh, no it's, fu- your, it's your fine. It's much more fun to talk about things we didn't enjoy. But my shining light, uh, and by God, I'm clutching at straws. Uh, you, you will have seen the cupcake scene, Paul. You know when yes. Charlotte is yes. baking <laughs> some unlike oh, yeah. countable number of cupcakes for the after-school party, uh, <laughs> and she's like, I mean, just across the board, things aren't going well, and she uh, is, you know, her daughter, I think it's Lily, is uh, she's doing painting with red paint, or it looks like it could be icing, but I think it's paint, oh, and she's going, yeah. "Mommy, look what I did! Look at me, 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 or whatever." And then she walks up to Charlotte and she bangs her hands on her butt and leaves two perfect uh, red handprints on the vintage cream Valentino skirt. Did you see that? Uh, of course I saw it. And I, I love this whole moment. I, I want to know what, what part in particular it was your shining well, light. Well, the part that was my shining light was, but several frames later when Charlotte goes to shut herself in the pantry on account of uh, being <laughs> overwhelmed emotionally, the handprints by some mystery, I am left to assume, have moved. They are no longer as close to one another as they were previously. Yeah. They are further out on respective cheeks. It is a continuity error of the highest order. That, that is, is uh, you know, because you know they had limited time with those kids. They probably shot the pantry scene first, and then they like, or they, or they immediately uh, shipped the the first one off to Planet Hollywood to be displayed <laughs> on some sort of wall. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that is amazing. That, by the way, continuity mistakes. I imagine there are a lot. I like. I know that I. It's a bad movie when I start watching the extras. Mm. Like, and I will Welcome. really start to hone in on a group scene and just watch people in behind. So when you're picking up continuity, well, t- all hope is lost. I, Whenever I do anything, people are like, "Hey, you had that in your this. You did this." And I was like, "If anyone <laughs> notices that or gives a shit, we've already failed. We have failed." On the highest level, because no one, the fr- no one until years, years later, re- like saw that that one stormtrooper hit his head in Star Wars. Until we could watch it a million times, like, and then because you're like, oh, I guess now I'm just I'm watching it for whatever. It's like when it's good, you don't notice continuity. Yeah. See, Guy and I had a big debate about this yesterday because I don't even rate that as a continuity error. So the hand position yeah. changed. Oh a yeah, bit. I guess it's you're right. Yeah. Really. Tim, Tim's attitude was it's taken you 40 watches to see this, therefore it does not warrant judgment as a co- like. It's got to be big to be a it's, continuity. It's error. A, that's like a very minute yeah. person has access to that as a continuity <laughs> error, which I still think that in the sentence the words continuity error there, therefore. What I found is an embarrassing gaffe that should be uploaded yes. to IMDb 
immediately doesn't qualify as a shining light because this is supposed to be a brief respite from us hating on the film yeah and the brief respite was <laughs> well, i caught you out you you dastardly villains bloody hell guy <laughs> look i don't know well it was a t- it's tough going paul like at this point i've I'm almost turning to you like a therapist now when the movie comes on, is there is genuinely a force field between the action and the audio, and our, I speak for I think both of us our ability to engage with it. It's just like, you know, you've got your favorite movies, and it's kind of like a warm blanket, like Star Wars, like you're saying. Yeah. You know everything about it, and you can put it on. It can be on in the background, and it's just comforting. And you know, like you know the beats, and you right. could probably shut your eyes and still visualize what's happening. You know, such as your level of fondness and familiarity with the movie. Yeah. This is like actually I, I just want to bring this up because I heard it on How Did This Get Made recently. Paul, I thought it was so endearing that you used to uh tape movies and listen oh, as a yeah. kid to the just the audio of films like when you're on the school bus and stuff. Oh <laughs> that yeah. Is adorable. It was the best. <laughs> <laughs> that is adorable. <laughs> it just made me think yeah, yeah. sorry, as no, that's right. But uh, yeah, no, I mean the thing is by, by the way, you would be surprised. I got like because they were like, you recorded your movies and listened to them. I was like, yeah, Running Scared, Bill, Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines, listening to it all the time. And they're like, um, and my friends, or not my friends, uh, people would tweet at me. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. So I feel like I'm not alone. You're vindicated. Alone. No, you're not. Yes. You're not at all. It's. I just like the notion of how much trouble in the era you would have had to go to to enable that experience. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was the technical setup? What do you, you record the? Film on a VHS, I just put a tape. Right? I, I just put a tape recorder in front of the TV. That was I, it. I was a young just kid. Lo- so, so it was, it was just lo- like grainy audio of the film. Yeah, exactly. And it, when I heard the when I heard it pop, I would listen back to where it kind of last ended, and yeah. rewind the movie, and then flip the tape and put it in the other side. And what there was a little bit of atmos, uh, you know, the share household. You'd have the goings on. Oh, I w- I would do it and then leave my room so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't kind of tamper <laughs> with it. You know, I'd have and to like send myself away. Sit outside with a glass against the door, waiting to hear the cassette player pop. It, literally, it was like it was sad. I mean, it was very sad. <laughs> I, I, but that's exactly I what I right. did. You know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if not for your dedication to film. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, what I was going to say is, so there's that familiarity, that blank, that sort of that comfort blanket in essence. And then this is, you know, it's like this twisted version of the same thing where it's like all this stuff that we know so well and it's the relationship's toxic, the blanket's got fleas. Uh, the, actually, funnily enough, this recu- recording studio that we're in also has has fleas. I just had to flea bomb it. We, we flea bombed. Oh gosh, got some couches off uh, New Zealand's vision at eBay, Paul, and it didn't end well for me. I thought I was getting yeah. a great deal. <laughs> yeah, you got you can get uh, big couch and two lazy boys for a hundred New Zealand dollars, so long as you're okay with them having fleas. Um, but yeah, I mean. I can't, I can't even remember the thrust but look, of the are point. Are you saying that normally with any other film, you'd have that security blanket aspect at this point, but you don't even have that because yeah, it's think so impenetrable? I was, yeah, I was using Paul as a proxy for a psychiatrist and saying that there is that, you know, there's the feeling of this should be like a, a warm embrace and it's just, it's not a good feeling. It, well, to me, everything about this movie, you know what, I keep, um, I'm here in L.A., on a microphone, and I keep on leaning back in my chair to talk into the microphone, and I'm getting further away from you guys. Um, I I think that like to mess this up is harder than to do it right because you've already done it successfully in a series and and in in a, in a movie. So what you know, and I think yeah, I don't know. It, it's you're right. Like this should be every like everything you described. It should just be a warm blanket it should be nonsense and it like in a in a good way like these characters just having a fun little adventure but i don't know if it's the fact that they've like kind of aged out the characters in a certain degree it's like they're no longer like the issues that they're getting into are no longer fun and they're about like marriage and the pain of kids and the only one that's kind of fun is samantha but samantha's an island to herself a little bit hey paul we haven't seen the first movie so just real quick i heard that she um gets cancer and then is nursed back to health uh by smith yes that's uh yes yeah that is like a d plot that kind of just quickly happens what that's a d plot (laughs) she gets oh yeah it's not it's not a main thrust of the film wow not not in my memory of it it was it's it's there and it's like i have cancer and but by the way that's a topic that i think honestly like 
maybe I'm having like a fonder recollection of it. They handled well, and it was interesting. And it was like, how do these girls? It's about their friendship, and how do they get over it? And then there's also a whole bunch of other bullshit. But um, and listen, we want question- to remind everyone that the series did important shit. Like it was on at a yeah. time when there weren't four leading ladies on a TV show anywhere. Like it, it, it stormed a path, and that's kind of what makes this all the more bitter. Yeah, and it, that's exactly that's exactly it. It's like they were successful at this for many a year, and I feel like they couldn't grow into this other thing. Or the exotic locales knocked them out. I don't know. Because here's the question that I really want to ask you two, because I think you've watched it enough, and this is something that really came to me on this. I think we've watched it enough episode. too, Paul. <laughs> <All right. laughs> the The idea of are these men in their lives at all appealing now let me i'm going to give you while you think about that i'm going to probably put something else forward the one argument you could make if this was a male film all right so let's take entourage as the yin to this yang right so if if in entourage your argument you can make is the male characters are underwritten or sorry the female characters are underwritten and they just serve as like sexual objects or whatever uh but i think from a point of view as being a guy and you watch it like, Oh, that girl's cute. I like that. When I watch this movie and I see these men and I'm think of myself as a woman or even as a gay man, I'm like, I don't want to be with any of these dudes. Mm. And the one Aiden is being viewed as this guy who's like, Oh, Aiden, the adventure is like, this guy looks like a boring, <laughs> boring, boring guy. Like, like, a, a, like, I don't even know. Like, like, he, like he's, and then, and Mr. Big is like, fucking asshole everyone's an asshole like it I, I, like i'm like what these women i want more for them than these men i don't like these there, men you're right that there is no respite and that everyone in the movie who gets enough screen time is revealed to be an asshole steve i yeah. love I, I love steve steve is a good i love steve i love i just love him i love him we've got some theories about steve, steve we won't, we won't i mean go into them. the 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 dual-sided, uh, you know, the two-sided coin for us doing this particular nature of this project is that the underwritten nature of the male characters in this film allow us to project many ideas onto them, uh, vis-a-vis right. Steve being the father of Brady the Rat King and running for the city of... Right, uh, running, running for, for mayor. mayor of the city of New York, <laughs> launching his own uh, self-styled Spelling dictionary bees. books, etc. But anyway, but... You're right. Like no one's very desirable in the male um, on the male front. And actually, the only character who like I have any warmth for whatsoever is um, Charlotte's little girl, Lily. Like she's oh, the I only like one Lily. who shows genuine compassion. Even the nanny, I'm not crazy what? about, and she should be. Likeable. I was going to just say, what about the nanny? <sighs> the na- I mean, it's hard to like the nanny just because of how poorly. Like it's barely refer- like the nanny. Essentially, I feel like was a a gift that Michael Patrick King put into the movie for the there was as Andy Daly would say there was something for daddy yeah for like that for the uh. for the Paul for the Paul shares at the cinema who are you know trudging to the who, trudging who to Sex and the forced. City two for the second time it's like well at least I'll get to see some ample bosoms in the film like right at least I get to see some boobs it's like after and be, and, seeing the Australian rugby team yeah get down to their skivvies yeah and and, uh, and go swimming they try and tease it out like the nanny is a storyline or a subplot but I mean you can tell at the end it's like oh and Charlotte didn't have to worry about you know her committed husband cheating with the professional nanny that they had because guess what the nanny was a lesbian yeah. the whole time it's not <laughs> it's not that I can trust my husband it's that she was gay yeah, and, and just right. wrap it yeah. up literally in a voiceover ending. <laughs> it's criminal, criminal have storytelling. Ta- have you talked? And again, I apologize to bring up things that you guys probably have already explored. It's not to, don't, don't, uh, don't you dare what apologize. What about what about the dick shots, the, the close-ups on the speedo shorts where we're just looking at dick? Yeah, well, that I mean, we haven't talked about that at length because I think that that is serving the purpose. It's like, this is a film that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's there for June and her friends to go, and you know what? If we go to Entourage, see, we're going to see some titties. I would argue that. Like, I think that there's a misnomer that, like, women want to see dudes' packages. I don't know. I, I, I don't know yeah. who that is. I, I don't know. It's not really yeah. for us to say, but I haven't ever right. noticed the dick shots. And I have. I've seen them, but I've never <laughs> thought twice about them. I've been like, that's a pretty good piece. 
I find the one of we should ask our girlfriends about this. Yeah, if they like the dick shot. I find the yeah. ones of Dickbot or Ricard Spurt, and the Danish as, as the mortals call him. Um, when you know when he's he's got that he's got his semi he's sort of has got a boner at right angles to his body when he's out for a meal with Samantha. Samantha? Yeah, yeah. I find that a bit much. I just uh, both. I just find this their sexual forwardness in that scene when they're fillating. They're taking turns to fillet oh, a shisha pipe. It's beyond just, the pale. That is disgusting. <laughs> that's stomach churning. That scene. Don't like it at I all. I mean, what did you and what did you make of that? Did you did you find it sexy? Were you like watching them being like, look at these sexy people who are about to have a sexy time, or were you like, you guys need to tone it the fuck down? Yeah, tone it down. Leave some. Like, I guess everything that I know of a woman. Well, that's a really bold statement. <laughs> I, I guess like my thought of it is, I think that women like not that. Like, lead it up to a point and then let it go away. Like, where I think the dudes would want to be like, yeah, let me see, let me see it all in there. You know, like I, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I'm like tone it. Your sense, your sense is that women want a little mystery, a little bit. Yeah, like or or just. Like you don't have to fill in the blanks. You can just kind of like, like, like I don't know. Set the table, but don't have to. You don't have to feed me the dinner. I've too. always <laughs> had um, a approach to this, which is probably why I'm not like a, a diehard pornography fan. Of like, <laughs> it's like a horror movie, right? It's less scary right. if you see the monster. It's like you can always hint at something being sexier than actually showing the thing, because everyone will project their maximum sexy idea onto whatever but canvas wanna, is still there. Right. You, you're, but you're old school. I mean, you have I'm sex underneath guy. a sheet, don't I you? Sure and you do. just I, cut out holes for the genitalia. I mean, you, yes, you I are. Do. I took a lot of cues from certain Jewish yeah, sex. Yeah. You're a real throwback. Oh yeah. Hey, Paul. I, I don't know how much time we've got left with you because um, you're a busy man. You got a lot of projects on the go. But if you've got um, a couple minutes left, I would love to do something with you that we do with all of our guests. And that is the pitch wherein you've just seen the film and for the third time we've just found out. Yeah. Um, Now, Guy and I are, uh, we're We're, actually movie execs. We're powerful uh, Hollywood execs. And look, we've got cash coming out our assholes and we don't quite know what to do with it. We're looking for a project, uh, you know, pretty much to green light today. Yeah, so we've been okay. briefed that you have come in here with an idea for Sex in the City 2. You're going to convince us why we should fund this puppy, Mr. Shear. You're on the clock, baby. Your time starts now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. I just want to ask one quick question before I start. This is very unprofessional of you, Mr. Shear. I'm but so sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, so I am just... I Sex in the City 1 has come out. This has not come out at this point. Correct. I'm all right. That's all I needed to know. You got it. I mean, you should know that as the person pitching this movie to us, but we'll we'll, we'll o- overlook this small oversight on you your. You know end. what? We're kind of a good cop, bad cop operation. Can I get you a water, by the way, Mister Shear? Yeah, oh yeah, oh, please. Yes. Oh, did you have a uh, sparkling? Would be preferable. yeah, sure thing. Thank I'll you. go get it. <laughs> all right, guys. Here's the thing. Sex and the City One was a huge hit. Obviously, we took everything that we love from the show. And we turned it into a movie that felt bigger and more exciting. And with the growth of these characters, we want to continue the franchise. And this is how I see it. Why not take them out of New York, right? But let's not put them in Los Angeles. Let's not put them in Miami. Let's put them in outer space. (laughs) Hear me out. Virgin Atlantic. Uh, or Virgin Galactic is launching, right? Right. Everyone yeah, knows we all know that. That's yeah, on the horizon, right? It is going up. They're on it the first flight because Samantha has gotten some sort of uh, some publicity thing. She's in PR. She brings her friends. Why don't we all have a Martin, yes. a, a Cosmo in space? They're all going to have a Cosmo in space. Now, here's what happens. Unfortunately, they didn't know this about the space shuttle. There is some sort of bacteria on the space shuttle that when it leaves the Earth's atmosphere, it mutates. It becomes something bigger, something scarier, and it creates an alien life force. And what we're talking about is a sex in the city meets alien, not aliens, Mm -hmm. movie. Sam or Samantha, Carrie, the other one, Miranda, they're all together trying to defeat this monster on a ship who is slowly everyone is slowly getting killed of course uh steve gets killed right he's the first (laughs) one steve we love steve we love steve i know but that's why it gives the movie a drive you gotta kill the only character that you really care about because that's going to give you a reason to really hate this alien i'm sorry guys (laughs) steve is great but he's going to be the emotional anchor of the film and then the movie ends 
with Carrie, fully decked out, gun in hand, shotgun, smeared face, right? She finally kills the alien, and she says, you know, something like, don't touch my Prada, you bitch. Oh, yeah. And then the smoking, the gun, we see her bring it to her own mouth. We think she's going to shoot herself. She doesn't. It's lipstick. She's put a lipstick holder in where the uh, laser pointer is, and she puts lipstick on her mouth. She goes, girls, let's go back home to New York. Uh, I got to say, right out of the gates, I really like the pitch. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's strong. For mine, and this is just but a minor reservation that I have, uh, it feels like a different movie. Uh, right, right, right. Of course, yeah, no, and and, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right, I mean, right, right. Yeah, 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 we all yeah. love aliens. We love bacteria. Uh, we love guns. We and love we, Ridley Scott. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but I like I like taking them out of their comfort zone and putting them on a a, a, a rocket or a ship or something. Oh yes, yeah. Could we maybe transplant them somewhere less sci-fi? Is that is that in your wheelhouse? Oh, yeah. Uh, what if we just put them in Abu Dhabi and have them go shopping and learn about, like, Middle East? Done. Did you hear that? That was the sound of a briefcase full of money <laughs> opening, Mr. Share. <laughs> My people will get in touch with your people. I like how you open know, you were to that rewrite. You agreed instantly. Oh, uh, 100%. Because here's something that I've been thinking about, and I don't know if – and this is something I really want to bring to people's mind. As a writer, it's about, like, uncovering things. And did you know – and this is – I don't even want to get into politics here, but you know, in the Middle East, women are treated very differently. No, I hadn't heard that. Had yeah. a different how? Yeah. Well, like in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, that is pretty like it make you angry. It can make you angry, and like, and I feel like you know these girls. If we unleash that spirit over there, maybe we can start like some sort of revolution. Like yeah. you know, like I, I just think it's like. I want to get the word out that the Middle East treats women a little bit differently because I feel like that's if the show is nothing, it's a it's a societal mirror that we hold up and we look at ourselves in it and we go, do we like what we see? I mean, they're the Michael Jackson of their time. They're looking at the man in the mirror and 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 do they like what they see? And that's all we know. I I like this. I do you know what I like the most is I don't what? necessarily know that it's our place as a sequel movie to say, but we're going to say it anyway. And I think that's I think that's really important. Yeah, I like that you've gotten a franchise and made it about something that it was never about. That's what really is appealing yes. to me. Cultural well, you know, international me, relations. It, it well to me it's like that's what we need to do. We just need to like you know, why why give the audience what they want when you can give them something that's right. that they that they don't you know, it's like um it's like uh like if you order ice cream at the table and we just bring you butter in the shape of ice cream <laughs> not until it touches your mouth will you know and it will be so much more disturbing because of that you know, i really thought mr Shear, that you were going to go more towards the old well-known henry ford quote which is if you ask the people what they wanted they would have all said horses but uh that's why you're a writer you, yeah uh, you gotta you paint a metaphor and simile in a beautiful and unexpected way somehow get that butter ice cream gag, gag into the film i personally will send you 10 million dollars in unmarked bills <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am going to get on it right away. Well, th this has been excellent. This has been wonderful. Um, Paul, I don't think it's a very big uh, portion of the Venn diagram of people who listen to our show. <laughs> they don't listen to How Did This Get Made. But w what else have you got going on? FX is the league is just kind of wrapping up now? The league is wrapping up. We have a couple more episodes there. And then... Um I guess uh, what else? You've got I don't you know. did yeah uh, you did the bus you're on the bus you're on a bus Paul oh yeah yeah yes oh that's actually good yeah I'm on a my friend Rob Hubel and I we did Human Giant together with Aziz Ansari we do this show in New uh, in L A called Crash Test we've been doing it for about ten years and it's a crazy kind of fun interactive show and we got on a glass bus and drove around L A and did an improvised comedy special <laughs> and it's available in everywhere around the world because it's on vimeo awesome so vimeo allows you to get it wherever you are and if you have itunes it's on itunes but i don't know internationally where it is but inter internationally it's available on vimeo which is great that's so cool yeah and it's got aziz ansari and rob cordry and aubrey plaza and earl sweatshirt from odd future and uh, tom lennon and ben grant reprise their uh, reno 911 characters so it's a real it's a it's a real fun like to me i don't do stand-up 
But I do the, a lot of these shows at UCB, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade, and we like a, we call them like a fuck around show, and it was a real fun way to kind of do that in a professional way. So I, you know, I think you might like it. Absolutely, I have seen it. I can highly recommend everybody gets involved. And if people want to find you online, Paul, how may they go about that? Just at Paul Shear. I'm pretty much at Paul Shear all the time. <laughs> That's so easy. But wait, spell yeah. Shear for people because there's there's a married oh, oh, ways yeah. you can fuck that up. Uh, S C H. E-E-R. There we go. You just got three followers, buddy. Three brand <laughs> oh, new shiny right. followers. Yes. That's right. You treat yes. you treat them right, Paul. All right. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. Well, uh, I wish I could say thank you, <laughs> but I can't. Um, this movie is garbage. Uh, but I feel like uh, you know. Hopefully, we got to talk about some things that were a little bit different. And before I leave, can I just bring up the one thing that I thought was interesting that I want to see? One more thought. Please. I just want to. Um, uh, when uh, Miranda's kid is winning a prize at one point, um, the the thing that the teacher says is, and winner for first place for the mouse maze. Um, I What was he doing? Because he's just holding up a small box that looks like um, not a maze and not anything where you could put a maze in it. it like, And that, again... It, that's, to the laziness I, well, you um, have truly wandered into the wasp's nest with <laughs> yeah. this one. So that is a question that we asked ourselves um, a few weeks ago now, a couple months ago, and there is now a rich vein running through our podcast of uh, Brady is the kid's name of exactly what right. he's up to. So more or less, and we'll try and give you the cliff notes here uh, because, you know, we appreciate times of the essence. Brady, because we thought it's insane that First, uh, someone who had an experiment with a hypothesis, what is static electricity, got second place, while Brady, who just put a fucking mouse in a cardboard box, wins. Uh, yeah, what, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what's happened here, is Brady has learnt uh, how to develop the brains of vermin, specifically rats, and uh, moreover, harness the intellectual power of said species and kind of use them as a society as well yeah uh he's okay and pretty much uh the teacher is trying to appease brady and sort of halt his uh his rate, research into yeah, this area halt his research in the area and also what will winds up being a pretty serious reign of terror by backpatting him and saying hey Look, you you figured out how powerful the rats are, but for God's sake, use this information wisely. So shortly <laughs> after the events of Sex in the City 2, Brady actually descends into the sewers and starts training the first rats, which then train all of the other rats, and he's uh, very quickly commanding an army of rats underneath. He's York also City. developed a hybrid breed called an amphibi rat, which are, are rats that can breathe underwater. The kid is, I mean, there's no stopping him. There is but one hope. We almost got it out of this episode with Paul Shear thinking we were sane. We were so close. No, I. By the way, I'm all in. I'm in for this spin. I'm in for this Netflix uh, spin-off series well, of a yeah. side character in a major way. Sex in the City Three, as far as we know, is going to be the battle of Brady the Rat King against uh, Dickbot, Which who is, is a whole other Ricard, <laughs> Ricard Spurt, who is uh, just quickly once more uh, a Japanese programmed. A cyborg who is solar powered and roams the Arabian desert learning how to interface with humans so that he can eventually take over America. And uh, they're, they're going to battle it out for um, supremacy. Suprem- I mean, and it's just... It's, Look, it sounds crazy yeah, when you kind of lay it out. I'm, by the way, I'm so in, and I feel like this is where the franchise needs to go. <laughs> well, um, of course you are, Mr. Shea. You are he who pitched the girls going to outer space. And, and and if there's anything, uh, if you guys ever find out why Bette Midler was on set but cut out of the movie, <laughs> yeah. I would love to know. I didn't even know that, so that is something to look forward to digging into. Yes, the people have said that she was on set and she supposedly was filming, but she never is in the movie. We need to know wow. what the deleted scene is. We, we will take that on board. Paul, I want to All say right. thank you again because um, seriously, no one was, well, our friends were the only people who were listening to the show before you gave it a shout out on your podcast and now, oh my gosh, now we've had it's so funny. Two, I love it. Two trips to the states off the back of it, so we just we couldn't be happy. <laughs> we owe you one. We owe you two. Oh, this is so good. Well, you guys are the best. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Paul. Take care. All right, bye bye. Ah, oh, the great Paul Shear wasn't he fantastic? I love that guy. Thanks again to Carmicola for bringing us this episode. And I forgot to mention at the time, but this is critically important: the new podcast. 
that Guy and I are doing with uh, my brother, my brother and me, the brothers McElroy, Travis, Griffin, Justin. We've all gotten together and we've decided that once a year on American Thanksgiving, we will be watching Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 from now until the end of linear time. We will give you our thoughts on that uh, Kevin James, well, I don't want to spoil it by putting adjectives in here. So for now, let's call it a movie. We're going to be watching Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. The episode is coming out shortly, like in a matter of hours. So it's in time for Thanksgiving. It's probably out right now. If you listen to this, it's probably already out. Seek it out. Um, subscribe, I guess. There's going to be one episode a year. Let's see how that goes. It's called Till Death Do Us Blart. The hashtag is Death Blart. Find us on Twitter there as well. And uh, I look forward to this exciting adventure from now until my death. It's, kind of, it's an interesting experiment we're doing with podcasting here. This is this is pretty loose. But it's once a year, so it's not that big a commitment. Join us, folks. Till death do us blart. Out this American Thanksgiving 2015. It's the worst idea of all time. It's the worst idea of all time. It's the worst idea of all Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.